Cook Island's tennis player Brett Baudinet has been swinging a racket since he was five years old, and at 39, his love for the sport hasn't wavered. The Pacific Oceania Davis Cup captain has been representing his country for over 20 years and says there is a huge amount of talent in the region, but money remains a major barrier. The University of Michigan alumni is using his networks around the world to help the next generation of Pacific Island players reach their potential, and maybe one day they'll be able to hit the big time like his dad. My father actually played in junior Wimbledon um, against Beyond Borg back in his day, so my whole family has played, or my dad and his brothers have always hit the ball, so I've been around it since I was obviously born, and by the time I was five years old picking up balls for them, they gave me a racket, like I hit the very first ball right over the net and never stopped since, so yeah, I love it. Now, I don't want to be presumptuous, but did your dad lose that game? Uh, yeah, he got smashed. <laughs> I, I, bet you that's I think he lost love and, love and two or something, yeah. I bet you that's a story he's dined out on for a while, though. Oh, yeah. He, he actually doesn't talk about it too much, but he does talk about the days, how it was so different back then. They used to sleep in the locker rooms because, uh, I mean, they never got paid back then, so they used to go back into their shoes after the game and there'd be a, you know, a $10 note or something would be slipped inside the shoes, part of their payment for participating and when did you realize you were not too bad oh pretty early on probably when I was seven or eight years old uh, I was doing really well uh, because we had Malcolm Cager who's our national coach here and he's he's still the national coach today and he helped all of us growing up so you know we got to travel over to New Zealand and and play against the best players there and we, we, we were beating them so yeah when I when I moved to New Zealand for school I went to King's College and in my first year I became the number one under 14 year old in New Zealand so that's when I sort of knew I had something to to keep going with it. What are the opportunities like if you are talented at a sport like tennis it's obviously one where there's often I mean I've got friends of mine here in New Zealand that went to the states on tennis scholarships there's the number of Pacific athletes that have done the same thing is that generally seen as the best opportunity to try and make tennis a career from the Pacific? Yeah absolutely I mean it's sort of a bit of a focus of mine at the moment because the talent that we have in the Pacific Islands is, is huge, not just in tennis, but in, in a lot of sports. Uh, I think it's the hand-eye coordination is generally quite up there with the Pacific Island kids. For example, at the moment, I'm training our top 17-year-old here in New Zealand, Ruby Pierre, and she's, uh, you know, we're working to get her a scholarship in the United States um, as well. But I think where, where it falls short here is that the kids get to the 15, 16, 17-year-old age bracket and they've actually got nothing to look forward to because there's no pathway put in front of them. So I've sort of been trying to encourage more of that with our sports associations here to say we should be putting together programs and former top athletes that have connections in the United States or wherever it might be with scholarship opportunities so that we can sort of say to them, look, we've you know, we've, we've got these doors open, uh, you know, if you train hard enough and go through the program, you can actually move on to, to get those scholarships. Is it easy for talented young players in the Pacific to qualify for a, a Junior Grand Slam or, or those sorts of tournaments? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I went on the tour myself, but I only lasted, uh, was less than six months because of the cost involved was, was massive. I mean, besides your flights, your accommodation, you know, when we traveled around, there were three of us, I, I'm just under 6'5", there were two other guys, one was 6'5", one was 6'4", and for example, we're in Japan and we're all sharing a single room with one bed, so we're two of us are on the floor and we're rotating each night who gets the bed, just to try and cut our costs down, so it's definitely a very expensive sport to try and have a go at it, and unless you have some serious backing, uh, very difficult to go go all the way, and as much as everybody thinks, seems to think that tennis is an individual sport, there, there is no eye in this game, that definitely have to have a team behind you, 
Um, so yeah, it, it's it's definitely not easy, but it does provide a great opportunity for the kids here growing up to look for scholarships that can take them on to other things. You know? And so when you look at uh, young players in the region today, so Colin Sinclair of the Northern Marianas, he's obviously going to be with you in the Davis Cup team. He has been up in Tunisia for a number of months now, plying his trade. And I guess that's the sort of lengths or sacrifice you have to sort of make to try and achieve in this game from the region you know in the women's game Abigail Tiriapisa from PNG she's been on the tour and and had some success as well but as you say a, you know a huge undertaking yeah absolutely and you know you got to take your hat off to Colin um as, as you said he's he's way out there in the middle of nowhere trying to keep his ranking up because in tennis every year the points that you've earned on the previous year drops off so in order to keep your ranking up you got to keep playing in tournaments there's COVID out there and he's still out traveling and trying to get in as many tournaments as he can to keep his ranking up and keep his game up and continue to improve. So it's definitely not easy. And especially when you're out like he is on his own with no coach behind him or anything like that. So um, Colin's doing extremely, extremely well for for the resources that he kind of has to to work with. And so when you're at the University of Michigan, uh, what did your fellow classmates and teammates know about the Cook Islands? Zero. (laughs) Let alone... The Cook Islands, I mean, a few of them back then, you know, they've sort of heard of New Zealand uh, as well. So New Zealand wasn't as wasn't as big as it is, obviously, today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Cook Islands, they had no idea. People will say, oh, is that somewhere in Jamaica? Or um, they, they just didn't have a clue. So I used to always tell them the easiest way to explain to it is, uh, well, you know where Hawaii is. If you take Hawaii and the equator and you flip it over, that's exactly where the Cook Islands is. And then you just show them a few photos of some of the beaches and they probably thought it wasn't so bad all of a sudden, right? Oh, yeah. They were like, what are you doing here? (laughs) It's minus 20 degrees. (laughs) Kids coming up, if they did go straight from the Pacific Islands straight into something like the University of Michigan, I mean, you're you're talking about 45,000 students, an international mix, but with the sporting history and the sporting background behind these universities, it's enormous. I mean, the tennis facilities we had, we had eight eight indoor courts, 22 outdoor courts, private physios, trainers, the whole nine yards. So... It really just blew my mind away, but I was fortunate enough coming from New Zealand where I, you know, I had a little bit of experience with that sort of stuff. But it's not to say that these kids can't do it, so I, I do hope we do get a few more of our Pacific players out there. And of course, 2000 was your Davis Cup debut for Pacific Oceania, and bar a couple of years, you've basically been there ever since. You've got the most wins for the team, you've had the most double wins. Uh, I think you and Dan Lorenis had a I think it's 11 and 2, a pretty handy record as appearing there before Guam went off to do their own thing. Um, and this year in 2021, COVID pending, hopefully. You are, of course, the Davis Cup captain and will hopefully be representing them for a 17th year. So, what, what does it mean to you to represent the Cook Islands, to represent the Pacific, and, and what keeps you going? I think any athlete would tell you there's, you know, if they go to the Olympics or and play on a world level event such as like this, you know, it's very humbling and um, you couldn't be more honoured to be out there knowing that you're not not just doing it for yourself, you're not just doing it for your family, but you're doing it for the whole country. And it's the neat thing too for the Pacific Oceania team is we're actually doing it for the whole Pacific. So, uh, we, you know, we're one of the two nations that participate in Davis Cup tennis that actually represent. Uh, multiple countries under the one team um, so it's, it's a unique very unique position in itself but uh, you know couldn't couldn't be more honored to to get out there and do it every year and as you said you know I'm not getting any younger I'm 39 but as long as I can keep running on the court I'll, I'll be out there doing it. You're playing against countries that have a lot more money a lot more resources most of the time and generally you guys hold your own pretty well. 
Yeah, look, and, and it, it goes back to what I said that at the start of our conversation, that the talent that we have in the Pacific Islands is fantastic. So uh, it, it proves it and the results that we're showing uh, in these recent years in Davis Cup, because I, as, as an example for myself, you know, I don't have anybody really at my level to train with here. So I mostly play squash. <laughs> so that's how I keep my fitness up. You know, I'm training the 17-year-old that we have here at the moment, but that I don't get enough of that serious competitive uh, training that we need really for the Davis Cup. So, so the fact that most of the other guys are in somewhat similar, probably in a better situation than I am, for us to actually get out there against these teams like Vietnam, who, uh, you know, they've been on the road probably as a team for six months with their own physical trainers and um, coaches and preparing for even stuff like Davis Cup. We still take it to them. So, uh, yeah, I think it says a lot to us as Pacific Islanders coming out with our mana and our talent to, to really take it to them on that world level. So when you're not competing in a Davis Cup competition, Colin Sinclair's obviously up in Tunisia. I mean, what opportunities for, I know COVID is a bit different, but in a normal setting, what opportunities do you have for a decent level of competition? There's obviously a Pacific Games or mini games, uh, you know, every other year in the region as well. But um, is there much else? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's pretty much all we look forward to for as in competition. Um, you know, I, I can't afford time off uh, for traveling, competing in tournaments myself personally. I've got five businesses that I run, so I'm pretty busy with those as it is. We're kind of going up against these guys and that's all they're doing is training 24-7. So a bit different for us. Colin's obviously playing full-time. Matthew Stubbings is in Australia. He's he's training, but he's also working. And Clement is off. He's in France right now at a... At a academy getting himself ready for university starting in august um so this year i'm very excited about because i, I think again we've got we've got a solid team um so it, it should be an interesting uh, result we're, we're definitely aiming to get up in the top three it's moving up this year to to group group two um so i think we've got a very good chance at that and, and that's definitely what we're working towards in terms of the support that oceania tennis gets um is it better or worse than what it used to be? Uh, and where does most of that funding come from? Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster over the years, to be honest. Um, uh, when we started, obviously, International Tennis Federation provides some funding. That goes into Oceania Tennis, who obviously runs all of it for us. And at, at the early stages, we did have quite a bit of money and funds there to not just support the Davis Cup, but, you know, tennis in the Pacific. Um, and in recent years, some of the sponsors as well had sort of dropped off. And in recent times, it actually picked back up. So... Uh, just to give you an example, a couple of years ago, the players, um, myself included, were were actually paying out of pocket to actually travel and compete in Davis Cup, whereas we're going against these other guys who are actually getting paid per game that they play, you know, 500 to 1,000 US dollars for every match, and, and we're actually paying out of our pocket. So now it's a lot better. The funds have picked back up again, so we're not out of pocket, um, which is great. And especially for the younger guys, you know, that if we've got that financial backing, it's going to definitely make it a lot easier to get the top players in the Pacific to come and represent in the Davis Cup team. Uh, Brett, you mentioned your dad at the start of this. Uh, in terms of your family, I know it's pretty synonymous with tennis in the Cook Islands. Uh, how much of your family is involved in the sport? Uh, yeah, well, they were very much involved in the early days. My dad and, and my mother as well, both were tennis representatives for the countries and were presidents of Tennis Cook Islands uh, for combined, I would say, 20 years. Um, so... Very much involved. My father recently was president until probably just a few years ago. Um, but, you know, he's he's 73 years old and he's still down on the court three or four days a week playing. So uh, you, you can't stop him. <laughs> so besides that, it's just it's myself, really, that's all going at it uh, at the 
moment and I've got a little two and a half year old so he's already pretty keen with a racket and the ball out there so yeah it's a lot of fun. Is he going to get a choice or is he happily picking it up is he? Oh yeah you know every parent sort of says oh my kid can play whatever they like so yeah no he, he, he obviously is going to pick his sport but we've I've naturally got rackets and tennis balls all over the place. So he's, I think he, he'll be pretty excited to play the game.